Hello and welcome to the Jerick Show. I'm Javad Malik. On this week's show, we will reveal that Eric is actually not a 50-something-year-old man, but actually a 20-year-old girl. And what has the McDonald's got to do with hacking and tractors? And I really messed that up, but let's roll the intro. Welcome to the Jerick Show. Featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented. I'm doing I'm doing better than you did doing that intro, honestly. You you really did kind of botch that, you know, but um hey, it's showbiz, right? It's what we do, okay? It so, is. Uh, Let's go on. Yeah, I'm I'm a little upset though that you've seen through my intricate disguise and you know that I am not a 40 something year old guy. Okay. Let's quit. Let's quit throwing it on that end a little bit there. Right. Um, but you know, I, I just, I don't know. I thought it would be better if I did it this way. Well, I suppose there are benefits. I can't <laughs> sure. think of any. I can't think of any either. Why would I want to look like Eric? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting, though. And the reason that you mentioned that is this rather interesting story. Pardon me, I still have a little COVID in my throat here. <clears throat> uh, this rather interesting story um, about this Japanese biker. And basically what he did is he, uh, he, he put himself out there as a 20-something-year-old 20, 20 female um, and did these face chops. And now, you know, we've talked about deep fakes. You and I have we've we've had talks about deep fakes. And generally, when we talked about deep fakes, we we talk about the video part, right? Because we're AI and and all of that stuff. That's kind of where it goes into the deep fake territory is where you engage AI. And I'm not necessarily sure exactly what he was doing here, other than in photos, it appears, not in videos, but in photos, basically turning himself into this younger female. Um because he kind of felt nobody wanted to see a 50-year-old man uh, doing motorcycle stuff. And, and it seems like he might have been right about that. Um, he had, what, uh, several, like, a lot of followers at this point. Um, but it, what's interesting is he did get called out on this. And some people noticed, apparently, that uh, uh, at least in one or two cases, she had some very hairy arms. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, and the reflection in a mirror was not what they were seeing up front. So obviously these sorts of things can only go so long before they get pulled apart. Um, but it's an interesting use of this. And another lesson in this shocking discovery that the things we see on the internet may not always be true. What do you think, Javad? Very shocked. Shocked indeed. Things I learned today. But uh, I, I thought it was interesting that uh, it's not uh, a malicious attempt by this person to to uh, they weren't trying to steal anything for anyone, but I suppose they were trying to get the clout or the get influencer status, I suppose. So in a way, it's it, it kind of like borders on that. Well, how far is it to to go? But what's what's really interesting is that that he has like over like he has over about twenty thousand followers. Who who are really like or follow or she has twenty thousand followers like the, the avatar, the, the character, 
And uh, he went on TV and he actually, when he was called out and he said, yes, this is it, this is what I do. And, you know, I didn't think people would want to follow me as a 50 year old man, that she's far more interesting and maybe I took it a bit too far. Uh, but a lot of the followers are still highly supportive of him, and they said, "Like, hey, we were following it for the motorcycle news and the and the and the and the maintenance and the track days and uh, the the rides and all that kind of stuff." So it's it's also really interesting how people um, get. Um, I, th I think it's it's a bit like how when people get invested in a TV show and certain characters in it, you know they're not real people, but you just get invested in those characters. Um, so. I might be stretching it a bit. Don't don't give me that that look. But I think when you when you see someone online and that's the only interaction, you build up this mental image of who they are, and you kind of like get invested into what they do and and how they do it. And w when you look at creators, uh, particularly on YouTube, the, the there are two predominant types of of categories. One are those that are idea based creators. So they take an idea. And they create a video around that. So the idea could be like, you know, how many ping pong balls does it take to fill in, fill up a, a swimming pool? Or, you know, how much money would it take for someone to, you know, run across a, a highway? Something like that. That's an idea-based one. And, and those are really interesting. And you, but you'd watch it regardless of who the creator is. Yeah. And the second type of um creator is a person personality or a relationship-based creator where you become invested in the creator themselves and you would watch them regardless of what they're doing so here's me mowing my lawn and you be like oh this is my favorite youtube creator let me watch them and and this is how how a lot of them became quite quite popular so they could literally like they 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 they've built that relationship and so so i think in the context of looking at how we judge relationships that people form online um you know this firmly falls into the category of a relationship-based one where you're following the person and the personality uh, regardless of what they're doing. So they could be like, you know, changing out spark plugs on their bike. And that's interesting as look at me riding along these the, these mountain paths. So I, I took a bit of a dive there. But what do you think about that, Eric? Have you ever thought about creators in that in that light? You know, it it is interesting um, the the way that you kind of put that together. And, and you know, I, what I was thinking about while you were rambling on nonsensically here uh, was that we all, no matter what we do, right, there's a level of deception in everything we do, um, whether it's recording, whether it's, you know, like you and I right now, we're both dead tired, but we're not going to come on here and act like we acted in the pre-show where we're basically just, you know, half dead in our chair. We're going to come out here. We're going to put on a happy face. We're going to throw in some energy. We're going to use every ounce of energy we have left during this show, right? And that's honestly kind of faking it too. It's the level of deception we go to. And it also goes to, um, you know, what were you selling it as? So you go to a movie, you know that the characters are fake. And like you said, you can still get into the characters. Look at Star Wars, right? People even get into whiny Luke Skywalker. And that's all he did is whine the whole time, right? Yeah. But people get into that and they follow those characters knowing that they're not real. So here's the character that they were following. The difference is, and where the real deception here is, that, and where the level comes in, I think, is that this individual was purporting that they were really who they were at some point, right? So there was some some serious deception in that piece. Now, obviously, the content 
was enough to keep people engaged and get people involved, regardless of who was putting it on, right? So you mentioned the people like, yeah, yeah, we're in it for the motorcycles anyways, okay? And it's proof, you know, Jeremy Clarkson is proof that people will follow some people that are just not really nice to look at um, or be around uh, <laughs> just because of some of the content that they put together, right? But in this case, you know, it looks like the guy got started on it and it just kind of snowballed into this. Now I don't want to say anything. I'm afraid to say anything until he got called out. But kudos to him for coming up and saying, yeah, that was me. And this is what's going on. And this is why um, it makes me not want to hate him as much, <laughs> but it is still really, really deceptive. So I don't know how I feel about this story. I just it, ranted like you did. It is deceptive. But uh, I mean, to quote a great artist of our times, if you don't love me, lie to me. And yeah. I, I yeah. think that there is an element where we do seek or people do seek escapism to a degree. And sometimes people are well aware of it, it's a bit like magic. You know, it's a magic trick, but you don't really look for how the magic trick is done because you're there to be entertained. Right. And um, and, and th there's an element of that, especially I think during you know this time where. I was going to say the lockdown as well, but I think just generally uh, our consumption of media is such online that people want to uh, just have a bit of escapism. They want to get attached to characters and they'll they'll blinker out any any sort of negativity towards it because, you know, it might not be real, but it's, it's real to me, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it would have been a big deal here had he had the person come out and and said hey this is a this is a fictional character and we're going to follow this fictional character it would have been a whole different story now what is interesting about this is the persona that he used is atypical for a lot of that scene right like i don't know about maybe in japan but here we don't necessarily and i'm not saying it's not seen but we don't see that many female riders of like sport bikes and things like that right and so there's that little bit of tie-in. I, I used to work with a gal who was all into that, and people would look at her like she's crazy. Like, what do you mean you ride this motorcycle? You know, and it's like, no, it it's something that we're just not used to seeing. So there is some allure to that, um, and some interest in that from that being out of the norm. And I understand what he was saying there, but he he could have been a lot more honest a lot sooner. Um, but you know. It, at least he entertains some people and you know, if they aren't throwing them out, um, he can continue doing things under his real persona now and see how that goes. Cause obviously, like I said, the content was engaging enough to have people involved. So how would you have felt if it was him, but younger and digitally enhanced to look a lot more handsome? So imagine like you at 20 years old, again, if you were to do that, um, would that still a form of deception? But I suppose what I'm getting at is that there's no clear line that demarks that this is crossing the line. <laughs> right, right. My mind straight went straight to like Instagram filters, right? So, <laughs> you know, perfect complexion. Oh my gosh. And, 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 and all those things that go along with it because yeah, that also is deceptive. <laughs> yeah. Your Honor, I'm not a cat. Right. <laughs> right. No, it's an interesting topic. It really is. And it's an interesting story just in general. And as we get more into this deep fake stuff and we get more into digital imaging um, and people using it for different things, I think we're going to see more and more of this kind of stuff. Yes. Yes, we are. So uh, let's bring the tone down a bit. Not the tone, the mood down a bit to something a bit more serious.
Mm. And I, I love the headline here. Uh, Andy Greenberg at Wired. Um, they hacked McDonald's ice cream machines and started a cold war. <laughs> that is just genius. Um, <clears throat> so um, let's uh, rather than skimming through the article, I'll, I'll just tell you the, a few 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 of the key points. Um, so uh, there's um, there are these ice cream machines in McDonald's, and they're meant to be like some automated ones that need uh, less less cleaning or other old don't, don't break down <laughs> uh, yeah yeah but the problem is that these ones are very complex and they break down a lot now if you're a, a franchisee you buy stuff through mcdonald's approved suppliers um and this this machine is made by a company called taylor and um so every time the machine breaks down they have to call taylor uh, taylor and taylor sends a taylor approved engineer round to fix it at the franchisee's expense, and then they go back. So already it's something that, okay, some people have said maybe McDonald's get a backhander for this, but let's put that aside. Let's say McDonald's don't get a backhander, they're just trying to do business. Even now you're in a position where a McDonald's have no incentive to fix this because there's no money going out of their pocket. It's just some franchisees on some days of the week can't serve ice creams. Um, but for the franchisee, it's highly, highly, um, uh, not only is it um, sort of, uh, what's disruptive. the word? Inconvenient and disruptive. That's the words I was looking for. Um, but it, it, it can be costly. I mean, the, the machine itself costs $18,000 to buy. Um, so, um, so there's another company called Kitsch, and they came out and they made a add-on to the machine it's got a Raspberry Pi in it and what have you, and it just brings modern functionality in it. And it allows the owners, the franchisees, to actually be able to self-diagnose the issues. So rather than calling up an engineer to come and say, there's this code EF00372, um, the, 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 uh, the kitsch machine will um, just say like, press the cone icon, select option three, reboot, voila, it's all fixed. <laughs> so, so this com this company became a runaway success amongst franchisees. Franchisees started um, buying these products and paying the annual the, the monthly subscription fees. Everyone's happy. Taylor was not happy though, <laughs> because they're losing out on engineer callout services. So they then called up McDonald's and said, "Hey, this is going on. We're losing money. Why don't you help us out?" And this is where it becomes very very dark and uh, colluded. Um, they tried to um, first, apparently, according to the article, McDonald's and Taylor teamed up. They tried to get hold of one of the kitchen machines first to try and disassemble it, um, which they did. And then they produced their own version of it, which in true Taylor fashion was breaking down <laughs> just as much <laughs> as the machine was. <laughs> And then um, McDonald's started to send increasingly unhinged scare memos, warning that Kitsch might steal confidential data and that it creates a potential very safety serious risk for the crew or the technician attempting to clean or repair the machine. Um, it, it also went on to say that by using the Kitsch machine, uh, the add-on, you could cause serious human injury 
and McDonald's strongly recommends that you remove the kitchen device from all machines and discontinue use. Um, so it's it's basically uh, it's quite a saga that that that's panning out. It's it's quite the story, and and I think this is this is one of those cases where like you know it's you buy something, you own it, and then you're subservient to the manufacturer or in this case, the franchisee, as well as the manufacturer to do things their way, which is feels like a really unfair world, is an unfair uh, way to go about business. I mean, John Deere farmers, uh, John Deere tractors have been having this dispute with farmers for several years now, where, you know, farmers have then been downloading stuff and trying to hack it themselves. Um, and I think this is something that, you know, we, at the broader level, we need to address i mean even when you look at phones i mean if if you have an iphone um you know stop calling it side loading when you, when or jailbreaking when you're putting on your own things you you know that that makes it sound something criminal what you, what you're doing is you've got a device that you've paid for you own and you want to install software that you want onto it um you know why do we treat all these things like an act of rebellion Sorry, well, this I'll, I'll get is, off my sidebox. Yeah, this is where we get into you know you the argument that you buy the hardware but essentially license the software, right? So yeah, you've got this chunk of hardware, but if you don't have the software, what are you going to do with it, right? But you know, it wouldn't be that big a deal, I don't think, if this stuff was covered, let's say under warranty. And I get the whole you break the seal, you break the warranty. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. But when the warranty's up or whenever that service agreement is up, you should have the right to do what you want to to that equipment. That's my opinion, right? You own it. But the legalese oftentimes says that you license the software for these things, right? And I love the fact that this third party came in and said, come on, this is ridiculous. Threw up a $35 Raspberry Pi or $45 Raspberry Pi and has now kind of put a Band-Aid on the issue. And I understand that this annoys the company that makes these machines, which are so reliable that there are hashtags about bro broken ice cream machines at uh, McDonald's, right? This is not the first time we've heard of this being a major issue. And I totally understand the franchisees need to have their stuff up and running. I mean, how frustrated do people come in? Like, I want an ice cream cone. Not today, again. Um, you know, and we've got to wait for this person to fly in or or come in or whatever, this engineer to come in and put, press the cone button and <laughs> hit three uh, and, and everything works again, right? And reboot. I, I totally, totally get this. It's It's a byproduct, in my opinion, of the legal agreements that we get into these days, which nobody ever reads. Right. When was the last time you ever wrote, like read the terms of, of services or, you know, uh, the legal agreement on a piece of software when you install it? Right. Not even if it's like you have to scroll to the bottom to do it, which is always a hint to me that there's something ugly in there because they really want to make sure legally that you you said you read it. Um, but this is you know, this is a big argument and it's something that's that we're going to see in the future. Now, I could argue what's the difference between this and let's say a crack for certain pieces of software, or like you said, side loading, which is illegal in some, you know, in some ways or whatever against the conditions. And, you know, there's all this kind of stuff, but hacking is hacking. Um, not to put a bad word on it, it's making things do that they something they weren't initially designed to do. And that's what they basically did here is they created a hack to get around having to have the engineer come out to kick up the, the soft serve, you know, and 
the ultimate funny part about this is you're talking what a buck a cone or something like that. This is not the big money deal. This is not like the thing you want to die on this hill about, but that's only a piece of it. But that's why the uptime and availability of these machines is even more important. Because rather than having an old fashioned machine, which you have to pay someone at an hourly rate to clean out every day and it could be costly and what have you, you're relying on that machine to churn out like 30,000 cones a year to make it worth your, your initial investment. The 18K that you paid into it, and yeah. now you still have to have, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. Have it, you ever seen the Bob's Burgers? No. Okay, wonderful show, and he has an ice cream maker in there, and there's there's a few episodes where he's having problems with the ice cream machine, you know? Um, and, and it's kind of funny, though. It, it just makes me kind of laugh a little bit because it's become such a deal. Um, but ultimately, these are a fairly simple machine. What to do? It makes it cold, and it churns the stuff, and then it pressurizes it and spits it out. We are not talking about rocket science here. This is not a Tesla in the organization. And, and for them to follow up and come through and say, you know, this could cause a physical harm. I mean, what's it going to do? Go into the defrost cycle and, like, explode the machine? I mean, seriously, we're not talking about, you know, propane or natural gas or, you know, this... This is an ice cream machine. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It, it also reminds me like a while ago, Sonos, they started bricking their old devices because they're like, oh, it's recycle mode. And and they did do a U-turn after uh, uh, after there was a, <coughs> excuse me, backlash. But um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's it again goes to that, that whole thing that you, you were just discussing about you know, you 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 buy the hardware, but you're only leasing the software. And I think this is just something that's really um, alien to a lot of people because we're still used to the physical comparisons of things in, in, in the old age. You like you buy a book, that's your book. You can highlight it, you can fold it, you can lend it to people, you can take it back, you can do whatever you want. But now if, um, you know, but now it's, it's, it's quite convenient if you download a digital book for the uh, publisher to say, oh, here's some updates to it. Let's update it, push it to your device. And now you've got the the errors all removed from it. But that could also change information, take out stuff, put in more information. And yeah. uh, you could also lose access to the to the thing altogether anyway. So this is a. Uh, Do you remember the days when you would like buy Photoshop? And you didn't have to renew a subscription every year. And it probably worked just fine. And you didn't actually have to, um, you know, buy the new version. Okay. And now, now we're in the subscription model, which sounds all good. But dear heavens, you know, I, I can actually say I was, I just dealt with this. I bought a, a vinyl cutter for, you know, our little side gig here that we we do some arts and crafts stuff. And this vinyl cutter came with a piece of software. Now, this piece of software is ancient. And I mean old. Um, and it requires actually a USB dongle that you stick in the side for security. Okay. But what I noticed when I was looking for these is so many of them went for sale and didn't include the software. Why? Because that software is a key that's now tied to an email address. And you can never, the person has to go out and buy this software again. So you're buying a $300 vinyl cutter, but to use it, you have to pay another $150 for the software because it's tied to an email address that nobody's going to give up, right? It, it ends up being kind of funny the way all that stuff works, but we're progressing more towards this sort of thing um, as we move forward. And, and it just kind of tied in, to, in my mind to how we've seen that progression go from buying software 
to licensing it and the things that we're running into here as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you, you bring up uh, Photoshop. And actually, just last week, there was a big hoo-ha uh, where Adobe, uh, people wanted to leave their subscription, and they were stinging them with a with a leave early cancellation fee. So it, while it was like, um, so this is one. Someone's being charged $291 early cancellation fee uh, to, to leave. And again, it might have been in the T's and C's. It might be like the, you're you're coming in for a year long uh, subscription, but you know it's it's not really something that people expect. So when they're stung with this, when they're trying to leave, it's uh, it's very very shocking. But um, <laughs> yeah, and then you're paying for some. You know, I mean, yeah, you're paying for something you don't have. Um, you know, it's like the contracts though, that you get with uh, satellite services and things like that. I mean, it is in the T and C's and you always think, Oh, it's not, it's not going to be a big deal until it is. And then it really is. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So before we go, I don't want us, uh, people to think that we don't give good consumer advice because when I was looking at the Adobe uh, topic last week, when it, when it was breaking, uh, someone shared this really handy uh, graphic, which is, um, Adobe alternatives, and they have got like free of charge, which is blue dots and single purchase, which is in yellow dots. So you could get something like affinity photo, which is, you know, I actually use of... affinity designer. Yeah. All oh, right, cool. Yeah, yeah. So these are Photoshop alternatives, um, whatever that AI, <laughs> I do what I don't know. Adobe what illustrator. Uh, yeah, illustrator. That's the one. Um, so there, there's all these products that are there and I was actually having looking through these and there are some, some really, really good ones here. Um, Eric, are, are there any ones that, that you really like out of these? Yeah. Like it. Okay. No. So, um, maybe not. Anyway, thank you all for joining us for this week on the Jerry show. I hope you've had it useful. Don't forget to like share and subscribe. And before Eric tells me off afterwards, uh, you can listen to us on thejerickshow.podbean.com. You can follow us on at the Jerick Show on Twitter. You can follow me and Eric on Twitter. And, oh, no, that's from last week. Okay, let's ignore that one. <laughs> Have a great one. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>